everybody, welcome to Drive Through Review 480. Today we're going to take a look at Star Wars Rebellion. This is the new big box release from Fantasy Flight Games. And if you are familiar with the PC game, I believe from the early 2000s or 90s, I think this has some lineage with that, but I'm not sure. It might just share some similarities. But if you are familiar with that, this has a lot in common with it. Uh, the idea of the game, it's a two-player game or a team game. One player is controlling the Rebel Alliance, the other is controlling the Galactic Empire. And you are issuing orders and going on different missions by making use of different leaders and different characters that you're familiar with from the original trilogy. So you might use Princess Leia or Luke Skywalker or the Emperor or Grand Moff Tarkin or Mon Mothma or Admiral Akbar, all these different characters that you're familiar with to go out and do different missions or command different fleets, all in this kind of grand large scope of a scale. And there's two different victory conditions based on which side you're playing. If you're the Galactic Empire, you're trying to find the hidden rebel base and take everybody out on it, and then you'll win the game. If you're playing the Rebel Alliance, you're trying to sort of drive up your own propaganda and drive down the, uh, the reputation of the Empire and sort of tip the scales in the galactic balance and have everybody kind of jump over to your side. Uh, so let's jump into how the game works. It's quite epic and quite big. Uh, then I'll come back and tell you what I think of it. Okay, here you can see almost everything. This board is huge. It's actually two boards here uh, squished together. And it's a general map of the galaxy. So you can see down here, we're just going to zoom around a little bit here. You've got Coruscant, the home world of the Empire. I've got some troops and stuff out there. You can see this is printed here with the Empire's control. But if we zoom up over here, we can see we have Kashyyyk. And this is actually under rebel control. I don't have any troops there. But we also have Mandalore is currently under the Empire control. And we can see we started off with a Death Star here. And a couple of different troops and a bunch of little TIE fighters and so on. And what's going to happen to start the game is you're going to deal cards off of this probe deck. And the cards have sometimes a symbol here at the bottom. Which will tell you how this world should start if you deal this card out at the beginning of the game. What you're going to deal is you're going to deal out five Empire Worlds and three Rebel Worlds. It's basically the first five Empire Worlds you draw out. You're going to mark. So, like not every game, the Rebels will start with Kashyyyk. They may or may not. And the other thing to note is if we zoom over here to Corellia, you can see this one has a little bit different marker here. This has a subjugation side versus the actual sort of loyalty side. Uh, the first two Empire cards that you draw out, you're going to mark as subjugated. The next three you will mark as, as loyal. Now subjugated is interesting because the Empire controls it, but they're just kind of controlling it by brute force. You'll notice there's these little icons here under the world, and different phases uh, at the end of each turn, you may or may not actually build and construct uh, different ships and troops and things here. If a troop is, of a planet is subjugated, you're going to ignore all the icons except for the first one on the left there. Whereas if you have it uh, you know, under your control loyally, then they're going to give you full access to all the resources of that planet. Now the game does give you a basic setup as well, uh, but after you've dealt out those cards, you're going to get an allotted amount of different troops and miniatures to distribute uh, across the various worlds here. So just to take a look at some more of the minis here, because they're really nice, uh, especially given their size. You know, here's a Star Destroyer, here's an AT-AT for the Imperials there, which is very, very nice. 
Uh, up here we've got some rebel transports and x-wings and stuff now after you've got all the kind of troops laid out there then the rebels are going to kind of for uh, take a look at you know the layout of the galaxy here they're going to go back into this probe deck and they're going to take and and grab a card now all the empire worlds are going to be pulled out because there's no way that those are the rebel base uh, so the rebel player is going to take and is going to kind of dig through here and so they may say okay I'm going to put the rebel base at Tatooine, which is that little sector up there, or maybe even Kashyyyk. It could be one of the ones that I drew already. This would be a very bad idea because the game would probably be over really quickly, you know, with the Death Star probably moving in and, you know, possibly discovering the rebel base. So you can say, let's say I want to make it Tatooine. I'm going to take that card out of the deck. And we can see up here, this is the rebel base location. You can see I've got some troops there because at the beginning of the game, you can put troops here on the rebel base itself. You don't know where it is quite yet. But you do know that whatever this location is, uh, once, you know, if we have a battle there and these get revealed, then these guys will be on that location already. You can see it's marked with rebel control. So the rebel player will mark the location. And it's the job of the Empire to discover where that location is through the course of the game. Now it's the rebel's job to make this reputation marker. You can see it starts here on the 14. We need to make that marker move down and meet here with the time track marker. So every round, this is gonna be moving up, 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 up. And the rebel player, through different objective cards that they're gonna do, they're gonna score objective points, which is gonna push this down. Now, as soon as these two meet, then the rebels are going to instantly win the game because they've now tipped the balance of propaganda in favor of the rebellion over the empire. Now, how are players going to go about doing this? Well, each side is going to get various different leaders and be able to recruit various leaders during the course of the game. You can see here's an example of the Empire, Darth Vader, and then Chewbacca there. Now you can see Chewbacca has this kind of recruitment medallion. That means the rebel player will not start with that leader. Whereas if it doesn't have a medallion, then that shows you it's a starting leader. So for example, here, Darth Vader starts with the Empire. And there's gonna be these different icons here, which are these different stats. Those are gonna to apply to different mission types, which I'll show you. And then you've got these two numbers here, the two and the three here for Vader, and the one and the two for the Wookiee. This is during combat, how many cards they're gonna draw for space combat in case of blue, and for ground combat in case of the orange number. Now if we take a look here, we can see this is the Galactic Empire player board. Uh, so there's a couple of things to note here. Now you see these icons, these blue and these orange icons here. These, you can see, match the icons I showed you earlier that are underneath some of these planets. So when it comes time to produce, this orange triangle here will tell you, okay, you're gonna produce a stormtrooper, and it's gonna take you two turns to get it out, because you can see the number two there. Whereas if you're over here, you can see this blue circle, that means to create an assault carrier, and that's also gonna be two turns and so on. Uh, so the rebel players also have a similar board like that, and you can see the same symbols are there, but in the case of the rebel player, the orange triangle will be a rebel trooper, kind of the equivalent of a stormtrooper, and the blue circle will be a Corellian Corvette in their case. Now there is also a team side. You can see there's kind of two groups here, and you can take a look at the leader. So let's take a look here at the rebel starting leader, uh, Mon Mothma. You can see she's got kind of a blue uh, little space there. So that shows you that she goes in the admiral's pool, whereas General Riken here, he's got a little orange color, so he would go in the general's pool. So you have sort of space leaders and ground leaders, and each player will be controlling those leaders. And you can also see the order of the turn. So the rebel player in the two-player game always goes first, and that is the case also in the team game. 
but the rebel admiral goes first. So they can activate one of their leaders here with this little blue shaded space there. And then we're gonna move over here to the empire. You can see the, their admiral will go second and then their general will go third. So the empire kind of gets two turns in a row and then the rebel player then is last to act with their general going fourth. Uh, so that does actually take some getting used to do. I have played it with the team game, uh, but I'll talk about that more in the review. Let's just look at this now from a two player perspective. And so what you're going to be doing as the rebel player is you start with four of these leaders, Leia, Mon Mothma, and so on. And the empire also starts with four leaders. And you're gonna be doing one of two things. You're gonna be either assigning them to missions or letting them hang out here in the leader pool to sort of reactively or even proactively do some different actions on the board, maybe oppose empire missions or activate troops. Now the other thing that leaders are going to get are these special action cards. And here we'll just take a look at the rebel action cards. Here is six of these starting ones. And you can see here, these have no recruitment icon, whereas this one here has a recruitment icon. So you'll shuffle up these recruitment cards here and put these in your little action deck slot. You can see that there. And you'll take two random of these starting ones and then these are actually going to apply to possibly your starting leader. So here we've got a special ability for Mon Mothma. And then we also have here a C-3PO ring, uh, which is pretty cool. I'll talk about that in a minute. But at any time during the game, you can apply this special effect for Mon Mothma and you can do it, you know, whenever it says. So this says takes place during the assignment phase. So during that phase, instead of assigning Mon Mothma, you could play this card. And once you use these action cards, uh, these are removed from the game. And I'll talk about how you get more action cards in a minute. Uh, but I just wanted to show this C-3P one because you can see it actually tells you to get a ring and it also tells you immediately. So if you ever draw a new action card that has an immediate, you do it right then. And here we can see the C-3PO ring here. So you're actually going to sort of partner C-3PO. So I might stick him on Mon Mothma because that's actually going to work really well, which I've used to great effect. Uh, so you just kind of put this around the base of the little standee there and then snap that in. And then now she kind of travels around with C-3PO. The effect of C-3PO is really cool. It makes her kind of automatically succeed on a mission she might fail, but then you have to get rid of C-3PO. So you're gonna have a little hand of action cards, and then you're also going to have these mission cards. And the Rebels and the Empire each have a deck of mission cards. You're going to start off with four starting missions. You can see that by these little arrows at the bottom. So you can do these missions every turn throughout the course of the game. You're gonna put your deck of mission cards here off to the side, and then you're gonna draw two. And you get two more each round. And then these are special missions here that are really cool, but once you activate these and use them, then you lose them. So to start each turn, you're gonna be deciding who's gonna go on a mission. So one thing I might do here is, just as an example, is this Build Alliance mission. So you can see you require at least one point of this diplomacy icon. So you just take a look again here. We'll use Mon Mothma as an example. She's got three of those. So she, by herself, could satisfy this requirement. You could put two, up to two leaders, on a particular mission card to either satisfy or just give you that more chance of succeeding. So just for fun, we'll put this out here, we'll put Mon Mothma on there, and then we'll send Princess Leia along with her because she's also got two of those icons. And so now we have a total of five icons on that mission. So the Rebel player will set all their missions face down first, and then the Empire can react and say, okay, you sent you know maybe a total of, let's just say, three leaders here on a total of two missions. So you've got one in reserve, then the Empire will do a similar layout here with their mission cards and then you go into the phase of taking actual actions on the board. So an action could be just to 
take a leader off here and then look at the mission card and it's always going to say resolve or attempt in a system so this one here says hidden fleet resolve in any system that does not contain an imperial unit now we may take our general here and put him out in Cato Neomoida because there are no Imperial units, we can satisfy that. Now in the case of this card, it says resolve, which just means it's automatically going to succeed. And this says move any units from the rebel base space to this system as if it were adjacent. Leaders in the rebel base space do not prevent this movement. So there's a lot to know about this card. Now first of all, when you move guys out of the rebel base, they normally have to be in an adjacent system, that makes sense, because that's how movement works, you move from system to system. But that's a dead giveaway as to like, okay, well, the rebel base is going to be one of these five systems that are surrounding the system they moved into. So this is a nice little mission here to let you uh, pack a bunch of guys into the rebel base and then get them quickly around on various spots on the map. So we would just put him here and then it would work because this says to resolve it. Now if it said to do an attempt, then we would have a little bit of a die roll possibly and the Imperial player could respond. And this really, I'm just going to spoil a little bit, this whole leader mechanic and how it works, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this. This is an awesome part of the game and this mechanic is really, really cool and interesting because there's a lot to it. So the other thing that can happen here, let's say I take him and put him out. Now because you have to actually go to a system and do the attempt, this leader now from the rebel perspective is now available to be captured possibly by an Imperial player. So maybe the Imperial player put Vader on a mission that said go and capture a rebel leader. So now he's out here, he's vulnerable. So maybe I reveal on my turn Vader to come out here and do a mission to actually capture him. And again, you're going to put these different rings on the players to look at their different states. So once the Imperial player captures them, this is a very big part of the game because once you capture them, you can do all kinds of nasty stuff to them. So the Rebellion player also has missions that you can go and try to rescue uh, a captured player. Some examples of what the Imperial player can do is you can actually turn it to the dark side. So you can take a, maybe capture Luke Skywalker, this actually happened in a game that I played, and then convert him to the dark side permanently. Uh, the other thing you can do possibly is freeze them in carbonite. And so then that'll actually reduce the Rebellion reputation. And there's also other nasty and dirty missions that'll make the rebel player kind of name systems and then they have to pick one of them has to be the rebel system and so on. So that could be very dastardly. Now the other consideration with leaders has to do with the troop movement. Uh, so one thing that you can do with a, a leader is let's say I wanted to go to Vader here and I put him in Naboo. At that point I can move any troops from any adjacent system into Naboo. So I could take and transport these guys here. Now when you do that, uh, certain figures need to be transported. So obviously the stormtrooper here cannot just walk over from this planet to this planet. He needs to be transported. So if you take a look at your sheet here, we can see how many troops or figures that different things can transport. So the Star Destroyer here has a six, so it could carry a whole bunch of guys over here. So we've got two uh, stormtroopers, one ATST and one Adat. So they could pull all of these guys over. Now you also notice here on the sheet that the ones, basically any ships that can't fly from system to system have this little icon here. Well, the TIE Fighters also included that because they don't have the ability to travel large distances in space. The X-Wings and the Y-Wings do. So in this case, to get the TIE Fighters over there, we'll also need to carry them with, with the Star Destroyer. And you can see here, uh, the Super Star Destroyer can carry eight as well as the uh, Death Star. So if I wanna move troops, I've gotta put a leader here and then 
have the proper transport and then move him over so I can maybe fly him over there and then these guys will drop on this planet like so. Now if this were the rebel base then the rebel player would have to say so because as soon as you have ground troops on the rebel base then they're going to have to say oh we found the rebel base and then we're going to have a fight. If the empire kills everybody then they win. Now the one thing to keep in mind is let's say let's kind of back this up a little bit here. We'll put these guys back here and maybe on an earlier round or turn we put out the Emperor here and we did some kind of mission, let's say. And then we want to put Invader here and then move folks there. Well, you can't move troops out of a spot where there's already a leader. They can't ever leave a spot where there's one of the leaders from your side. And the reason that is interesting is because, let's say the Rebel player here, they want to go and they have a mission that requires them to be in a spot where there's Imperial troops. They're going to kind of do some kind of uh, covert activity or something or some kind of sabotage action. Well, as an ability to respond to that, then you can send in one of your leaders that's still in your pool. So maybe General Riken comes in here, tries to get some intel based on one of his missions. The Emperor responds, boom, and they have a little bit of a roll off. So like I said before, if you do a mission that says resolve, it doesn't matter. Nobody can respond. But if you did a mission like this one here that says attempt, so if we take a look at here, build lines attempt in any populist system, then you can try to swing the loyalty is what that mission does. So I go here to try to maybe swing the loyalty of that system. As the Empire, I don't want them to do that. So then we're going to have a roll off based on this icon here. You're going to total the number of icons on all of the leaders in that system. But you get a chance to sort of oppose and react and send an additional leader in there. And then you're going to roll these dice here. Each side is going to roll dice equal to the number of icons they have on their leaders. And any of these symbols here, these little targeting symbols and these little explosions, are going to count as one success. These double-bladed sort of lightsabers here count as two successes. The color in this case doesn't matter. And as long as the person trying the mission has more successes, uh, even if they're even, they still don't win, then they'll win the mission. But as the Empire in this particular case, I got to kind of think a little bit about if I want to actually oppose and respond to this, because I maybe in the back of my head, I've got a plan here to send Vader to Naboo, move these guys out, and maybe get them tactically, you know, for some reason to get closer to the rebel base where I think it is, or, or get closer to like to these ships up here or something like that. So I know if I respond with the Emperor, because of the rule that they can't leave where there's already a leader on their side, you've got to think a lot about that. So there's a lot of consideration there. Or you might know that you're going to go into a particular spot, move troops in there, you're going to have a bunch of icons which will help you later on a mission of success. So there's a lot to really think and chew on about that. Now sticking with missions here, the Empire has a special little deck here, Projects, and these are, these are mission cards, uh, but you have to go and kind of get these out via other missions, and these are going to be things that allow you to speed up construction, uh, activate your Death Star, build another Death Star, and so on. So these are all your sort of uh, technological terrors that you're trying to get on the board, and you're trying to get these cool, you know, super discharges out there. And you can even have uh, two Death Stars on the board at the same time. It's, it's kind of cool you actually put one of these sort of half-constructed Death Stars on a location there so you start constructing it. It doesn't do anything, it just sits there for a few turns. And then once the, you know, the constructed one comes out, you put that one out there. So it is possible to have two Death Stars at once. Now of course when you move troops in from one system to another, 
you're going to have combat. Now the combat is really streamlined and straightforward. It's a lot like Forbidden Stars, but definitely lighter than that. But if you've played Forbidden Stars, it's gonna seem very familiar to you. So let's say, for example, Vader comes in here. He wants to move these troops in here. We're gonna transport everybody. We'll get these guys kind of cleared out of the way. These ground troops will get carried along and they're gonna drop in here. So we're gonna have sort of two phases of combat rounds. We're gonna have a space combat and then a ground combat. And it's always gonna be space and then ground, space and then ground. So the way this is going to work is the first thing we're gonna do is look at the card numbers here. So General Riken here has a one space and two ground, and Vader here has two and three. So this is the cards, number of cards, they're going to draw off of the respective combat decks. Now, if you don't have a leader in here, you can respond by putting a leader in there. And if you have more than one, then you can have a, uh, you just take the whoever's the highest number of each of those. And as there's two decks, there's sort of the ground combat deck and the space deck, and both players will draw from these decks. So they're pretty generic things. Uh, this one here, as you can see, it says, deal two damage to one ship. This is from the space deck. Uh, you've got here, discard one space tactic card from your hand to block two damage and so on. They do a variety of different effects. I'll talk about that in a second. But then you're gonna just take a look at your player sheet and you're gonna see what kind of dice are actually rolled. So in this case here, we've got two TIE Fighters and a Star Destroyer on the Imperial side. So we're gonna take a look at that. We're just gonna roll one black die and then one black die and two red dice. So there's two TIE Fighters, so one, two, three black die and then two red dice for the Star Destroyer. So this is what the Empire will roll. And then we're gonna look at the same kind of thing for uh, the Rebel player. They're gonna add up all their black and red dice, and then we're gonna roll. Uh, at that point, you can play cards. Uh, first the attacker goes, and then the defender goes, but it's virtually simultaneous. You don't actually remove anybody that's killed until the end of that combat round. Now what's gonna happen is, you're gonna roll these dice, and you're gonna have to look at the health type of the different things. So here we can see the TIE Fighter's health is in black and the Stormtrooper's health is in black. These other ships and troops are in, in red. So this has, the Star Destroyer has four red health. The TIE Fighter has one black health. So if you roll this symbol here, you can only damage a unit that has that type of health. So these two black health here would destroy the two TIE Fighters or the two X-Wing there. And the two reds would only damage the Curling Corvette, which also has red health. Now, if you roll this symbol here, this kind of exploding symbol, that could apply to either black or red health units. Now, if you roll this double-bladed lightsaber in combat, or I should say, obviously the blanks are blank, they're misses. But if you roll the double-sided lightsaber, you can use that to either draw a card from the appropriate theater. So if we're in space, we'll draw a space card. And some of the cards, as you can see, like this one here, require you to spend one of those. So these are a little bit better. So you can have, you roll that and then you can actually spend that card uh, to do that. Now other cards don't have that symbol, like this block one damage. So you can just play that card without having to roll the symbol. And so you'll resolve a round of space combat and then a round of ground combat going back and forth. Now if you ever got into the case where maybe all the Imperials were wiped out of here and all the Rebels were wiped off the ground, then combat ends because ground doesn't fight space and vice versa. But you also do get the option to retreat at the end of each round. Again, you need the proper transports to be able to do that. You need a safe system to move into. And again, if this were the rebel base and we'd cleared off all the troops, then the Empire would win. If the Empire ever has uh, ground troops and there are no rebel troops, it'll automatically become subjugated. But that's basically how combat works. It's really straightforward. 
Now, after everybody has taken all their actions for the turn, you're gonna retrieve all your leaders here from the board, put them back into your pool. You're gonna draw two mission cards off the mission deck, add them into your hand. If you ever have more than 10, you've gotta discard mission cards. And then the Empire player is gonna draw two pro cards off of this deck. They're gonna keep these hidden in their hands, so they're gonna know that the Rebel base is not here in these two spots, but the Rebel player won't know exactly what they know. And then the Rebel player is gonna draw a card off this objective deck, and this is what the player, again, needs to do. You can see this will give you one reputation point here. So it says, play after a Star Destroyer or Super Destroyer has been destroyed in a combat that you initiated. So you're gonna get one point and be able to move down here on this track. And you can see these are all kinds of cool stuff here. Uh, this is the cards that are gonna give you points for destroying the Death Star, allowing you to even destroy the Death Star. And you can see they kind of go up uh, in coolness. And then one thing to note here is as you move up this time track, you can see a couple of different icons. You can see that little recruitment icon there, and that's kind of like a build icon. Now it's not gonna be on every turn, but as you move up, different things are gonna trigger. So first thing you can do possibly is recruit new leaders. And that's done here by drawing two cards off of the leader deck there. And you can choose one of the leaders depicted on these cards. Maybe I wanna choose uh, this action card here. I'll put the other one here at the bottom of the deck. Then I can choose to add either Ledge or Wedge or Luke to my leader pool. So I get a new leader, which is kind of additional action uh, to have on my turn. So this one will go into my hand. I've got a new ability and a new leader. And then we're possibly going to a build and production step. So again, you're gonna look at all your controlled worlds and you're gonna build based on the icons here on your player sheet. And again, you can see there's sort of a two and a one there. And so you can see on the side of this track here, we've got a one, two, three, and then a one, two, three going this way because the rebel player sits on that side of the board. And so if it said, hey, queue up uh, you know, two rebel troops there on the three, and this one had a star destroyer on the two, and maybe you know this stuff come out on the one there, and then you set up all that. And the one thing you really should do, uh, speaking from experience, is mark these with maybe these little damage tokens that you do to keep track of damage uh, as you kind of go through your systems because it can get kind of confusing if you, you know, did you trigger that system or not yet. And then after you've triggered anything that's supposed to be triggered, everything is going to move down the queue. So anything on the one, even stuff that you put there right now, is going to come off and all the other stuff is going to move down. And then anything that came off, you're going to be able to put out on into any of the systems that you control. Now you can only put two figures or two units on a system. So if I do two TIE Fighters there, and maybe I filled up all the other systems, I still got stuff left over, it's going to sit here uh, in the queue on the one spot. Now even on the turns that you don't actually build anything, you're still going to be triggering down this conveyor belt. So, you know, like you might build a Super Stardust right here, then a few turns later you're going to have it and be able to put it out. Now the Rebel player has the ability with some missions here to sabotage and put sabotage markers on these spots. So you'll cover these up. So these won't produce when the time comes to produce. And if it's still sabotaged, you can't deploy here either. So that's another way the Rebel player can mess with the Empire. But that's pretty much all the rules to the game. Oh my, the Empire has found us. We're done for. The Alliance is doomed. Okay, so that is Star Wars Rebellion. I'll just come out and say this game's awesome. I love every inch of it. <laughs> uh, I don't know how long that will end up being because I'm recording this right after the walkthrough. It felt like it went pretty quick, but I did kind of delve into some strategy uh, considerations and stuff like that. 
uh, during that. So you might want to revisit that if you're just skipping up to the review, but I'll probably just cover it again anyway right now. Uh, so let's kind of walk through all the stuff I really like about it. So the thing I talked a lot about in the walkthrough was the leader uh, activations and how that works. And that is probably most certainly my favorite part of the game and how you are really trying to figure out which leaders to leave in your leader pool as a way to respond and oppose uh, you know your opponent's missions as well as activate you know different troops and maneuver them around the board and really considering you know their capabilities what they're good at and you know the order that you do to activate them now we did play the team game where you use kind of the space leaders first and then when it comes around to your turn again you get to do uh, the ground leaders in that way and I could even see playing that two-player. Like you play the team rules, but just do it two-player because it it was a little bit awkward at first because I'd played just two-player first. Um, but then I was like, well, this is kind of weird. I don't know if I like it. But then after a while, I kind of got used to it. And it just kind of added this extra layer of <laughs> complexity and a little bit of analysis paralysis. But it, it was interesting uh, to do it that way. So I would say try it even two-player to play the team game, if you will. That was kind of cool. Uh, but all of that sort of layers of, you know, when do I do something, you know, I've got to get something kind of set up perfectly. So when I do the mission, then the mission is going to succeed. And the, it's really involved for the rebel player, because as I showed you, you get those objective cards. So the objectives are, they're kind of two pronged. So they might be to sort of, you know, have loyalty across a region or have different troops and, you know, a certain number of regions that kind of help you spread out. It might be to blow up the Death Star. Uh, the only way to blow up the Death Star is to get an objective that lets you attempt it. And you need either X-Wings uh, or Y-Wings in uh, you know, the zone to do it. And the only way to do the Death Star from the Imperial objective is, is to get a, uh, a mission too. Uh, so you've got those kind of things where you can maybe go try to blow up a Super Star Destroyer or a Star Destroyer. So they're very focused. You need to kind of build up your troops. Well, all the meanwhile, you're trying to throw off the empire in terms of where the rebel base is. Uh, so that's a really interesting kind of consideration for the rebels is sort of, okay, do I spread out? Do I focus? Because if they do find me, I need a lot of, you know, troops here to figure it out. Can I, can I pull out this objective at the last minute? You know, the rep, rep, the empire's knocking on my doorstep, but I've got this card that will allow me to do kind of an ambush on Coruscant or some other planet where, you know, maybe the, uh, the Empire has left some troops just kind of as a garrison, just kind of sitting there off on their own. So I go do this little tactical strike to swing propaganda and get them at the last second. So that whole, all that stuff's kind of going through your head as you're trying to figure out what to do with these leaders. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is the combat. Uh, so the combat is, it's not like an afterthought, but it's not the primary thrust of the game. And I think that makes sense that it's like that. Uh, the combat's really cool though, because the thing that I've found after playing this a couple of times is the actual mechanics of the combat are just kind of there. It's almost like the preparation for the combat is the key because as I said, you need an X-Wing or a Y-Wing to take down the Death Star because you can only have fight. I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> you can't fly a Curly Corvette down the trench or whatever and the Death Star is not gonna work. Uh, but the Death Star itself and the Super Star Destroyer roll mostly red dice. Now the Star Destroyers roll a black dice here and there, but the red dice is most of the time not going to take out the ships with the black health unless you roll the, the special symbol. But you need, so you need TIE Fighters there to fight your X-Wings. And so just that dice system in there really 
brings to life the kind of rock, paper, scissors aspect of the combat. You know, you need X-Wings to take out the Death Star. Well, the Death Star will take out the big ships and the TIE Fighters will take out the X-Wings. And so the big ships then will take out the other big ships and you know, and then you get like a black die here and there. So this whole like rock, paper, scissors kind of thing, this kind of diversity of combat, which also applies to the ground troops, uh, is really cool. And you know, you've got that kind of cool card ability, just kind of, you know, it just kind of keeps things fresh and a little bit dramatic and stuff. I mean, I will say, the fights where you are going to blow up a Death Star are just awesome. It's it's such a small, discreet, very compact little combat system. But then you have those moments where you're like, I need to blow up a Super Star Destroyer. I need to blow up a Death Star or, you know, take over uh, this, you know, planet stuff. So the moments of it are very, very dramatic and awesome. Uh, with the other stuff here, the leader abilities are really cool. I like the special action cards. Those are going to be a little bit uh, annoying for some people because in the last game I played, for example, I had a card that was Chewbacca's ability and I basically just made him automatically fail a mission. I don't know if that won the game, but it was a very critical point when I played it. I think at that point the game could have gone either way, but that really put a crimp uh, in the Empire's side. But the Empire has, you know, the, the missions just the same. They're like, oh my gosh, that's a load of BS. But you know, it's a one-shot thing. It's a special sort of heroic, dramatic, thematic, cinematic—you know—cinematic type of thing that's going to happen. Chewbacca's going to pull off the crazy stunt, or Luke's going to turn to the dark side, or Luke's going to become a Jedi, or you know, you're going to freeze maybe not Han Solo in Carbonite, you're going to freeze Leia in Carbonite this time. Uh, so those little action cards kind of lend itself to that you know, Star Wars feel of, you know, sort of an alternate reality of the original trilogy, which is what this game really kind of boils down to. Um, yeah, so the game is amazing. And, you know, and then from the Empire side, blowing up a planet with the Death Star is really cool because, you you know, you blow up a planet, you can do three times and, uh, and you can then shift kind of loyalty of a system because they get all scared and like, oh no, you know, they can just blow up planets now. But if the Rebels get a certain objective card at the end of the game, that can really come back to bite you because it'll swing a whole bunch of sympathy uh, towards your side. Uh, you know, and these little rings that you can put on the guys there, like this little one, you can, you can put them on the dark side and, and convert Luke and he can become kind of like a little Imperial spy, you know, kind of flipping the tables and uh, all that kind of stuff. And it, it, getting back to the main thrust of the game, it is that cinematic Star Wars experience where the, all of the players and the characters and everything is familiar, but you're going to have these moments that never happened, you know, in the movies or in, even in the other expanded universe. But you're going to you're going to have all that kind of stuff happen, so you feel like you're retelling kind of the story. Uh, you know, like Mon Mothma is really good at going out and building the coalition and building the alliance and getting those guys out there. Uh, you know, the, uh, some of the other General Riken and then some of the Imperial guys, especially, they're a little bit more technologically savvy. Uh, so, you know, their, their mission cards have more to do with that. Uh, in terms of, the last thing I want to talk about is in terms of the objectives that each player has, if this is where the game's depth, I think, really has started to sort of peel back its layers for me because the thing is, is you need to know the mission cards and the objectives from either side and know what's possible. I kind of talked about that before in terms of the rebels spreading out or building up forces and doing certain things. 
you need to know what they're probably about to do. So, like in the last game uh, that I, I, I particularly won as the Rebels, uh, playing in the team game actually against the Imperials, was I was a, there's a there's a mission card where the Rebels can move their base and you know basically you know move the Rebel base, and if you put two uh, heroes on the mission card to do that, you can draw eight cards out of the probe deck and your base is going to be on one of those cards. Well, what the Empire had done is they were really close to finding my base and they had really covered a majority of the map. So they had basically left Coruscant and its surrounding systems wide open. So I switched it to, I think it was Cato Neomoida. I want to say it was that, that or Malastare. Yeah, it was one of those two. I can't remember which. And there was nobody around there. Now there were some troops here and there, but there were no ships to move them to my base. So even if they go, oh, you know what, process of elimination, it's either Cato or Endor or something, but there wasn't enough turns and I'd done enough of the objectives to you know, get it close so that when the turn marker moved, it was just gonna move in there. Uh, so they left it open. Now they, the uh, thing what we kept talking about is Leia's quote from the first movie is the more you tighten your grip, the more these systems will slip through your fingers. And I think that is like, the game that in that sentence because as the empire you cannot just go in and like ransack everybody now the temptation is there and sometimes it's good but you need to play very very smartly in controlling you know what front this war is taking place on uh, so that's a very very interesting part of the game in terms of the sort of cat and mouse that's going to happen uh, and so, and from the rebel perspective, you need to be aware that the empire is going to want to capture your leaders. Once they capture them, they can do a lot of nasty stuff to them, kind of interrogate them and, you know, freeze them in carbonite from the dark side. Uh, and so you've got to be very aware of that as well. So you need to kind of know a little bit of the metagame and then think about, okay, well, he's going over here. So he's either putting a lot of troops in front of the rebel base, or he's trying to bluff, or, oh, he's trying to, I see, he's trying to get that last system in that region, you know, under rebel control or something like that. Um, and so you have to be very aware of that, and I think that's going to make the game just that much more replayable and interesting to kind of come back to. Uh, so it, obviously excellent production, the miniatures are really nice, and everything looks really good. Um, you know, I, this is silly. I was talking about this uh, with a friend of mine, and we were like, this would be kind of cool if it was for the original trilogy. And I know people are going to be like, what? You know, and get all nerd-roided. But uh, actually, it would be really neat, because you'd be like the reverse. You'd have the old Republic, and they would be kind of like the Empire. They'd be kind of big and clunky and slow. And then, uh, you know, the Emperor's kind of shadow operation of trying to stir up the trade federation and you know the different you know, separatist federations and so on It'd be kind of interesting to do that i would it'd probably be better than the movies right you know the game would end up being better uh so yeah i can see maybe expansions for this or something i don't know that it needs it um but i think it, it could be interesting to kind of play around with that um yeah i like the whole build queue and the production stuff and that's kind of a neat thing in terms of like Okay, well, is he going for this planet because he can build his uh, Mon Calamari fighters, you know, the big freighters, which are really awesome. You know, is he trying to get over here to build a Super Star Destroyer, or is he trying to go over here for another reason that has to do with the endgame condition? So there's that kind of stuff, too. So it feels so unique in that regard, where it's like, you know, it's kind of a spacey, 4 x kind of territory control thing. 
But the game is not, you gotta forget all that. If you come at this like I'm gonna play Eclipse or Twilight Imperium, you're you're coming at this from a completely, you know, you're gonna be disappointed probably. Um, so I would come at this from a very like, this is a very unique game. It's very much in that kind of twilight struggle kind of idea where you're, you're trying to change up influence uh, in these various different areas so you can, you know, get your build production up and also execute some missions and objectives. It's got kind of a War of the Ring thing where you're controlling not only armies but also the individual characters. If you think War of the Ring, you're, you're controlling the mortar armies and the humans and all that. And also Frodo and Sam or in this case, Vader and Leia, you know, trying to do different things like that. Um, yeah, and it has kind of a Fury Dracula kind of thing where you're trying to find Dracula or the Rebel Base. So there's a lot really happening here, and I think people will get a lot of pleasure out of it. Uh, the games have been around three hours, a little bit more, give or take. I think that'll really come down as I play with other players that have played it more than once. Uh, you know, I think that'll be the case as well. I think you could get this under the three hour mark. I don't think that you could ever get down to two hours, although it is possible if you somehow magically found the Rebel Base or the Rebel Base was sort of a poor player, made a mistake or something, uh, then the game can end pretty quickly if you just, you know, waltz in there with your Death Star and blow up the Rebel Base. Well, that's ballgame. Uh, so the game's going to be about a two to three hour, I think, as people play it and get good at it. And, and again, know the meta and know all the cards and all that stuff. Yes, sir, Bob, that is a good game. <laughs> okay, uh, if you like, if you don't like Star Wars, though, I mean, then you probably won't like it either. <laughs> you might, though. You might like it. It's, I think it's a solid game beyond the license for sure. Um, but it fits the license perfect, just about. Okay, get it. Thanks.